Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week we're gonna uh, talk about a movie with a female protagonist who doesn't have a name. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Uh, We're gonna talk about Rebecca. No, that's not the name of the protagonist (laughs) from 1940. uh, Directed by Alfred Hitchcock. But before we do, how was your week? Pretend I, you had a uh, an Independence Day. I had a wonderful July. Independence Day. Uh, we ducked and hid and took cover as our neighbors shot round after round into the air. Perhaps they were shooting at birds. Perhaps they were shooting at us. But celebrating the independence of the country from Free Britain and perhaps from the Indians. I don't know. I will. I. 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 Y'all, it's before Independence Day. It's the week before, but. I'm telling you now, I am taking the 4th of July off as it is federally mandated, but I am not celebrating Independence Day this year because this country is hot, burning garbage, and does not see me or people with other people with uteruses as full people. And uh, we've known this for a while now, but now they're just saying it out loud. It is so. interesting uh, in relation to this film. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Um, let's get into this film. So, uh, yes, so we're recording this a little bit in advance because mm. I am leaving town tomorrow because that is my pilgrimage to leave Oakland every 4th of July because it is very much like Beach. a war, jo- war zone right, here. Exactly. The, the, the explosions... The explosions. Well, I um, the fact that it hasn't really started yet. It has started it, a little bit, but it started when everyone's asleep late at night. Yeah, I hear gunfire. Yeah. I hear um, it started Juneteenth. Right. Um, but yeah, normally though it's more prolonged and uh-huh. for longer period leading up. So um, that has not been. Well, I have heard it a few times. I at will night, miss but, out of our old neighborhood. Is that we had enough near neighbors that would there was a public school across the street yes go to the yard there yeah. and set off roman candles and all these beautiful fireworks yes. the police didn't bother them because they were in an enormous yard and there was nothing to set fire set to set fire to yeah so they had to have these beautiful fireworks displays that doesn't happen here here people just pull out their pocket Is it just guns, guns? Okay. and stuff like that and you sometimes from and our, what sounds like mortar fire right just from our kitchen you can see the the Fireworks displays at the Coliseum. Oh, that's nice. Oh, which is nice. Uh, but yes, you have to sit in your kitchen and look through the back window. So, so I'm going to go to the town of Guadalupe that has very few people, and um, they really even fewer quiet fireworks. down by like eleven oh, on yeah. the Fourth of July. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a very small housing development that my friend and his parents now live in. Um, of you know several hundred houses but yeah. it's it's families and right. and things and so yeah they're they're they do what they do but they do it you know in a in a reasonable way <laughs> um so that's what that's what I'm going to be doing uh and hopefully it will have been fun yay this comes out on 77 we are into July into our July movies if you want to know what those are uh check out the Facebook page i put up a 
a, a road map for the month of July, uh, which I will reiterate here in case you don't want to do that. And that <laughs> we are going to be watching Rebecca, The Magnificent Seven from 1960, Gaslight from 1944, and Terminator 2 Judgment Day from 1991. It's, uh, it's pretty all over the map in terms of tone and subject matter and all kinds of things. So it should be a fun month, but we start with Rebecca. And let's start with the fact that this is an adaptation of a novel, mm-hmm. a novel by Daphne du Maurier, a novel that I own but have never read. It is a red mass market paperback that I own. And um, I believe we did end up watching the 2020 version of this when it came out in 2020. Yes. So I knew the story coming in broadly. Had you seen this film before? I had seen this film many years ago during the first days of the uh, kind of VHS revolution when there was so much available. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I also saw Gaslight, which we're going to see soon. At that yep. same time, I saw Spencer Tracy doing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and and it was part of that whole kind of um, these beautifully managed productions. Yeah. It's glorious black and white. Yeah. This wonderful art direction, that kind of thing. So yeah. unfortunately, well, up until last night, they all kind of blended together for me. Yeah. Um, so this movie is uh, Hitchcock's first American film. Is that yes, correct? Yes, he was brought over from England. And this is 1940. I think of Hitchcock being a 60s director, but this is full 20 years before sort of the tentpole, the the psycho, the birds, these things that that we think of as Hitchcock films. Also, he directed way more films than I realized. I didn't realize that Yeah, he had started very early on and had a very, very long career. He was brought over by David O. Selznick, who is most famous for producing... um, Gone with the Wind. And, and you described him earlier today, because uh, you were doing a bunch of research um, on the backgrounds of this film, uh, as a cross between Weinstein and Trump? Yes. That's rough. He was, a, he was a, apparently a horribly self-aggrandizing. His, the O in David Oselznick actually had no meaning. He ascribed it to himself because he thought it made his name look sort of Grand and and uh, yes, killed the marquee oh, very well. That's what that's what it takes. Uh, when the first thing, well, and Hitchcock went so far as to mock that in North by Northwest, right? Um, Another Cary Grant's we'll character, Roger O. Thornhill. What's the O stand for? It doesn't stand for anything. You know that was yeah, that yeah, was yeah. one of the jokes. Um, yes, yeah, so Hitchcock and Selznick didn't did get along. Not get along. So Hitchcock is also famously not a great dude um, for other reasons, but also towards women. So these are two very powerful Hollywood men who were terrible towards women. Yay! He was terrible in different ways for yes. different reasons, and yes. they're not the same. No, they're not the um, same. But they are mm-hmm. terrible. Both yes. terrible. I don't want to pick. No, no, I don't want to pick one. Um, (laughs) The difference probably is that Hitchcock was a genius, and we unfortunately allow a lot for geniuses. We need to stop it, because guess what? Genius is not that uncommon. 
It's not. Well, there are a lot of geniuses that are too poor to get noticed. So right, I say I absolutely agree with turn the, the spotlight off of the Alfred Hitchcocks and the Woody Allens towards the so men and women of there. color. The Roman Polanskis. Um, the yes, others, all yes. of these things. It's, uh, I'm sorry, but because you make things people like, that doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want. And we, we need to like stop that. Um, so this is our first Alfred Hitchcock of the series. Mm-hmm. There, there are more because thrills are his synonymous, synonymous with right, his exactly. style of filmmaking. Um, and he's like a weird dude who likes weird shit. This doesn't... Spoiler alert, I don't find this movie particularly thrilling. Mm. I have a lot of issues with this movie. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of which may be because of distance of time and place. Right. Uh, this is an 80-year-old film, right? Like, mm-hmm. which sounds insane, but that's true. It's 82 years old. Um, and we'll talk about the different things as we go through, but I felt a lot of it was lacking. And I think big pieces of the reasons that it was lacking were expectations upon the film rather than... Yes. The Like, I don't think... We'll just start with the big one. Laurence Olivier. Okay. Huge, famous name. Big Sir actor. One of the greatest actors of all time, probably, or like name-wise. Mm. I think he's fucking terrible in this movie. I think he... He appears to be phoning it in hard. A lot of it is... He does not have the sadness and gravitas of an old man, which is what the character is. This man looks like a 22-year-old dude with some some pepper combed into his hair with spray paint. He's meant to be in his 40s in this part. Um, He should be older, first of all. He should be in his 50s. But, um, yeah, he's not. And he just doesn't... Like, he is very um, sort of mercurial in his attitudes. Mm-hmm. His his tone and demeanor change a lot yeah. from w- sort of one moment to the next or one scene to the next, one interaction with him to the next. And it doesn't feel rooted in anything other than what the script says or what Hitchcock is telling him to do. It doesn't feel rooted in right. character. Um, and largely I think that is because he is too young to play a character with this kind of, um, supposed pain in his life. Also, can you clarify for me on timeline, how long was he married to the first Mrs. DeWinner, Rebecca? Oh, good Lord. No, I can't. (laughs) Don't. As we're watching the movie, it sounds simultaneously like they were married for 25 years and also for two. And I don't know what it actually was. Um, Yeah. Let's... You want to just start at the start? So let's start at the start. Let's start at the start. It opens 
this is another problem that I, I think with the film. Okay. It opens over a burned out wreckage of a mansion mm-hmm. with Joan Fontaine, our nameless her- heroine. Um, is, that a, is that an issue, the nameless heroine? It is an issue to me that this woman is never given a name. Oh, well, I can understand when you phrase it that way, but you understand that there's a whole string of Sergio Leone films where Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson play characters with no names whatsoever. That's fine. <laughs> that feels like a choice they've made. We're talking about a woman who is employed by a main character at the beginning mm-hmm. and then wed to a main character fairly quickly. And the only name we know of mm-hmm. is her married name. All right, and let me introduce another thing here. This is Hitchcock's first American film. Uh-huh. God, I feel like I'm advocating for him. Which And also, right. this is a thing from the book. Right, and like, so... Which so, was written by a woman. Right, exactly. It's an on-purpose. It's, it's done on purpose, <laughs> and a lot of the attitudes that you that our viewers might or listeners might run into that would bother them are from the book because Daphne du Maurier is expressing what it's like to be a woman at this time. Uh-huh. Her so, identity is So I'm not mad at the situation, right. but I want to bring attention to it. That's right. that's what I want to do. That's I want to bring the attention right. to it. Not that, that it shouldn't have happened or mm-hmm. but think about a, a film, a two hour and ten minute film wherein this woman is in almost every scene. Right. And no one calls her by her given name. Yes. Not once. Not once. That's wild. And, and it's a statement. Like uh-huh. it's a it's a part of this story. Um. But it's just I just want to I want right. to just want to bring attention that, to it because uh, I would argue that we could have had this whole conversation and not ever talked about how she doesn't have a name. <laughs> well, that and the fact that. Uh, the other thing I would draw your attention to is that David O. Selznick insisted on absolute fidelity to this book. Oh, see, he that's had a never process, a good... Yeah, that's never a good... He had a process that he called picturization, right. which is something it that we saw on it, in the yeah. beginning of the film, a picturization of... It's because, the opposite of a novelization. Right, he believed yeah. that um, a person wanting to see this... Because Rebecca has never been out of print. That's no, how successful it is. Since it's hip hop stands, yeah. it has stayed in print. Um, it's so popular a book, and it's a really popular example of a gothic novel. When it's was a, it written? I'll look it up. Okay, it's a 1938. It's oh, an okay. inverted fairy tale, you know. Um, I mean, it borrows extremely heavily from Jane Eyre. From Jane Eyre. Uh, like, people know that, right? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. But, I've got an English degree. Yeah. Let me just tell you. But, like, it borrows very heavily. Right. It's Jane a modernized Eyre. retelling yeah. of Jane Eyre. Okay. Um, and and Jane, you know what's cool about Jane Eyre, though? We know her name. It's the title of the book. <laughs> well, Jane, uh, Jane is one of my favorite heroines. <laughs> Jane Eyre's awesome. I, I like Jane Eyre a lot. Yeah. But, um, and I think that actually the the Joan Fontaine... And Orson Welles' version of that film is my favorite. And that film should be in a hundred... Uh, I have never seen that. Uh-huh. The same woman mm-hmm. is... Ju- okay. Which, did she get that? When was that made? Before or after I, I this? I think it was made after this. Because this is the film that essentially made her a, a star. Okay. She does seem very young. Yeah. Like, she could be 18, right. maybe, at the making of this film. Um, she was very young, and she... Um, 
apparently was coached a great deal by Hitchcock himself. Oh, God. He never bothered I'm with so actors sorry. much. <laughs> but he got this performance, and then apparently when they worked together later on, on Suspicion with Cary Grant. Um, She's 23. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she is very young. 22 he, probably when they were making When he it. worked with her, he gave her almost, he went to his standard dealing way of dealing with actors, which is almost not to talk to her at all. So it went from, this was his choice. He's going to prove this to Selznick. Because Selznick wanted to, he was a... He's the reason that mm. that Laurence Olivier is playing Maxim right. de Winter, right? So we let's let, yeah okay well right. mm, mm, yeah okay. But I mean that was what I wanted to yeah. to, to clarify for you is that there's going to be a lot of weird decisions here that are yeah. basically having this very old school movie producer just yeah. sort of constantly interfering, interfering, with and and because uh-huh. of that fidelity to the book, you hurt your movie because right. we start with. Um, a female voiceover. Last night I dreamt I went to Manderley again. And that completely spoils the ending. And it spoils the ending. And it takes away right. any concern of whether she's going to be okay. Right. Right? So there is what could be a very tense scene mm-hmm. where we see the fire from afar. Right. Um, and we know she's alone, alone with the the staff right. of the house. Alone in the way that anyone's ever alone in Downton Abbey. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's there's no alone. Um, and but I know that she's fine because I heard her voice at the beginning over the mm-hmm. and I knew what that light was because I saw the burned out husk of that right of the of the manor. And, at the beginning, like, the first thing I see and is apparently that. Hitchcock wrote a draft of the script that started with Maxim de Winter sitting on a, a boat going down the, um, God, uh, where is the film again? Monte Carlo. He's sitting oh, yeah. on Monte Carlo and just sort of wasting away, smoking a cigar. And that was his the beginning for the film. And immediately Selznick just crushed it and goes, no, no, we have to save that line. That so everyone that remembers. is going to be him before he meets her. Right. Right. Okay. And, right. But she, and every time I hear the, I dreamt I was at Manderley again, I, I, it reminds me of um, the opening line of Isaac Dennison. I had a farm in Africa at the, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, uh, yeah. and I want to mix them together. Yeah. <laughs> like, I dreamt I was in Manderley at the foot of the Ingong Hills. Also, Manderley, yes. Yeah. Manderley is, you said it's in Cornwall? Uh-huh. It's uh, It's in England. Manderley doesn't sound like it's in England. I, so I was like, where is this? What's happening? Um, but then we doodly, 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 and go to a different time earlier. Mm-hmm. Earlier. We don't know how much earlier. Some right. earlier. Three days? 15 days? 150 days? Who knows? And... We meet Joan Fontaine as our nameless heroine, mm-hmm. and she is a paid companion, a job that I would fucking kill for, Not even to today. This woman. Uh, yeah, no, I would, I would, to one wealthy <laughs> but obnoxious. This write-up says Edith Van Hopper, and she. Edith Van Hopper is a person who refers to Monte Carlo, where they are, as Monty. And it's terrible. Yes. Uh, she is stuck up and terrible, but she sees somebody that she recognizes, Mr. De Winter, uh, and invites her, uh, him to sit with them. Right. 
Uh, he obliges sort of and then bounces real quick. It's very that that beginning interaction is super weird because he's like, I would love to sit down and have drinks with both right. of you. And then immediately he's like, OK, that's fine. Bye. Well, she puts him off by going on about swimming. Oh, OK, not just. And this is the kind of character that Mrs. Van Hopper is completely uh, like she doesn't recognize the fact that his wife drowned. Yes, and, and that's right. So there's a she's, lot of um, she's clueless. And she is without mm, thought. Yeah, she's very <laughs> like much. She is thoughtless in in the purest sense. Right. She's just gonna say a thing and then be like, "Oh," <laughs> but she, then also she's like, "But it's fine. Nobody, nobody matters. Nobody, nothing. Right. You know, she, it's fine." She tells uh, she tells um, our nameless young heroine, uh, "There's no one of consequence here." We should be going back to another part of the country where we can meet people who are famous, and and then yeah. Maxim walks, walks in. in. Right. Now, um, our nameless heroine had met Maxim earlier. Oh, she was sketching, and he was about to commit suicide by stepping off a cliff. If you remember, Uh no, I didn't. And not he shouts that. her away, and so she recognizes him, and he recognizes her. Oh, okay. And then. It just becomes this sort of strange... And they, she says, like, four words to him, and mm-hmm. when he leaves, Hopper Van Hopper is like, you were right. out of pocket with him, and you need to, like, really this must watch be the way you were throwing yourself at the him, way you shameless you speak husband. to this man. <laughs> yeah, I know it's wild. Um, poor Miss Van Hopper. She does have a touch of the illness, and so... Uh, she's down with the sickness. She's down with the sickness. And then... Um, I don't. Should we just call her Joan? I guess because yes, sure. I gotta call her something. Nameless heroine is so. Eventually, she becomes Mrs. De Winter. She uh, keeps meeting mm-hmm. Maxim. Right. His name is Maximilian, and we shorten it to Maxim, which is a rule. Which is a brand of condoms? I don't know. It's no. just a really a big Maxim name. is a rule, right? Right. Like that's but... what. So she's marrying a literal rule. Like that's. So strange. Oh, it's also a terrible magazine. Um, with uh, boobies on the front. Boobies, everybody? Yes, I, used to, I got a <laughs> subscription once. And uh, as they... My so birthday. they keep going for drives, uh-huh. wherein if she says too much, he gets surly and doesn't talk to her anymore. But if she's quiet, then everything's fine. It's great. Very healthy. And as she... Um, and then finally... Uh, Miss Van Hopper is like, we have to go. We're going to New York because my son's getting married or something. And, uh, you know, she, uh, Joan, sneaks out to say goodbye to Maxim, at which point he says, no, marry me instead of leaving. Do you want to come to Manderley or do you want to go with Miss Van Hopper to New York? I will go to Manderley. Manderley. It is. And then Miss Van Hopper comes to get her. And she's like, hey... And she doesn't actually say anything. Maxim is like, hey, I'm also getting married to her. And then Miss Van Hopper is scandalized. When did this happen? Right. Which, good question. It's been two weeks or Well, it's, she's been sitting playing cards by herself or, or, or being ill. And um, Joan is out uh, supposedly taking tennis lessons. Tennis lessons. And instead, she's out drawing. And she's out drawing. Mm-hmm. She's not a good artist. I appreciated that. I was like, she looks like somebody who wants to draw but doesn't have the skills yet. Like, right. I recognized the draw, like the drawing style that she uh-huh. had. I was like, 
Yeah, that felt like real. Yeah. You know when they say they can't draw and then you look at it and it's like a perfectly rendered thing and you're just like, yes, the fuck you can't. Like this when felt I say very I can't legitimate. Draw? You can draw dinosaurs. Um, so they are married. They go on a honeymoon, apparently, but we don't see it. And then, shoop, right to Manderley. Yeah, we see it later on in, like, a, a home movie that he plays. That's right, yes. But and they, we're told, like, we know right. that it happened. And they seem to be terribly happy. They, sure. Especially because he comes across as very cold and distant. And, and as you Here's said, Mercurial. Here's the thing. I know he's supposed to come across as cold and distant. Mm-hmm. He kind of comes across as nothing to me. Really? That's what I'm saying. I just, this performance, I don't think mm. is very good. And I don't know if he needed more direction, but Hitchcock doesn't give a fuck if you have a dick, I'm not talking to you. Or if he just can't find the end to this character because he is not old enough and doesn't have the life experience. He just... Mm. He kind of feels like nothing, almost the whole movie to me. Mm. And I might be wrong. Um, I don't know that I've seen a lot of his performances, and certainly not from this long ago. But I was just like, you're just kind of a big nothing. Hmm. And I, he's a sir. Like, he's like a big deal, right? Yes. Um, I used to, uh, when I worked at Home Correct Company, me if I'm wrong. Or don't you know, correct me, but disagree with me if you don't agree with me. I will leave that on the maxim. Um, I used to work with a, a vendor at Home's Book Company who told me once that whatever you see Olivier do on film, he was so much more on stage. Interesting. That he was, like, relentlessly physical and that, he said, I went to one of his performances. I'm in the front row. I was physically afraid that he would jump down into... And he's in his 60s at this then point. Then my guess is right. that he was told to tamp down right. for the and cameras, think, and it's just too much. And he made you'll be seeing too small. some other performances from him, and so it'll be easier to judge when you see Spartacus or you see some of the other ones. Yeah. The fact that he just kind of will disappear. He won't look the same. I mean, he did a lot of... Yeah. I think uh, he just disappeared too much in this right. one, and just it was. And I think not... again, we're having we have a producer who's insisting on just stay faithful to the novel, stick to the novel, right? And especially mm-hmm. because fundamentally, right, his character is a hero, right? He doesn't do anything. I mean, he does a thing that is questionable, but it's not, he doesn't kill anybody. Spoiler. Which is interesting. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we come to it. Um. Even though maybe he would have. Mm. I mean, men have killed for less. I'll say that. Right. <laughs> um, so, so he takes Joan to Manderley, and the whole house, the whole staff is there waiting, which he should have warned her about, although he didn't expect it. But right. And they are led by Mrs. Danvers, who is the housekeeper, who came with the, we find out later, the former Mrs. DeWinter. And uh, I'm going to say, in no uncertain terms, was in love with said Mrs. DeWinter. Um, and may have had those that love reciprocated, or at least the physical aspect of it reciprocated. Um, because Mrs. DeWinter uh, really liked to get down with Whoever, except maybe her husband. Oops. Um, 
So the former Mrs. De Winter is the titular Rebecca. We do not see her. Ever. We do not see any photos of her, which I was surprised about. We know that she had black hair. And she was beautiful. That is what we know. And later we know more about her personality. But physically, that we know she has black hair and was beautiful. And that is it. Um, and Mrs. Danvers is running this house. Uh, at, Mrs. Van Hopper had said, you don't know how to run a house. Right. You like, won't fit into you his won't world. Fit in. um, and... Mrs. Danvers feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not wrong, but I do not find our heroine to be stupid. No. Uh, she is timid, no doubt. Um, she is also alone in the world. She's a woman alone in the world, which is a terrifying thing. Thing at that time. Right, exactly. So if we're talking about, this is supposed to be contemporaneous with, mm-hmm. like, was the novel a contemporary, like... 1938, yeah. But, but it was not a period piece. No, it wasn't. So we're talking about the 30s and 40s. Right. Um, her only relation was her father, who has passed on. Yes. So she is a Which, 21, 22-year-old right. woman in 1940 with no safety. There's Which no, adds a dimension to why she... Falls in love with his older man. Yes, yes, for sure. Yes. So we do find out that, yes, she had stayed with her, her father, and they were very happy together, mm. and then he passed away, and she took this job as a companion. And she actually doesn't feel like she can do anything. She's like, I don't have to, any skills. And to be fair, this house is enormous. Yes, and but the other thing is, right? she was not trained to do anything. Right. You know, um... She didn't go to a trade school. She didn't yeah. learn, and she didn't have a mother raising her to teach her the the, the womanly arts, right? Seamstress saying or cooking, or and these are the things that a woman could do to make, uh, a, living to make a living for herself. Uh, otherwise, what are we ta- what are we talking about? A companion, a tutor, a governess, mm. a nanny, or you marry somebody. And this is uh, Bing's novels written in 1938. Those kinds of professions are beginning to pass out of the world. Of course. And so her choices are very limited. You know, in another three years, she could rose through the riveter stuff. Right. You know what I mean? She could she could get a job right. on a, on a factory we, line or something. We're like 15 years away from effectively her going into an office building. and Or, you know, no, during the war. During the war. There was that yeah. switch in, 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 uh, in what was traditional gender roles, yeah. at least in that country, in terms of, and uh, this one, in terms of what women were able to do because men were all fighting so much. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, her choices are limited. This is what she went with. Yeah. She's timid. She breaks the statue. And you've got to keep in mind. She hides I, it. I don't She's know if childlike. it's true of England, but mm-hmm. like in America, a woman couldn't open a bank account until 1974 without a husband or right. a, a, a father. Right. So even if she made money, mm-hmm. she just had to keep it on a person at all times. Like it's. And we're going back there, y'all. We're going back there. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, she's intimidated. And she's overly intimidated because she is a very shy mm-hmm. um, person. And the rage that Mrs. Danvers feels towards her throughout the m- m- movie is palpable. She is the 
brightest source of energy in this film by far the mrs danvers character i think that's probably going to be true of most productions of this on purpose she is like the ember that's left of rebecca in this house and rebecca was the brightest thing when she was there i'm sure of it as everyone speaks of her. And by the way, this is one hell of a performance from Dame Judith Henderson. Yes. Oh, she's she a Dame amazing. as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, she's very good. But I don't want to... Like, that... Uh, that malice that she has towards uh, this woman is... I don't understand it. I think what... Her, I don't know that she ever... Ms. Danvers was ever romantically... Or physical, let's say. With when she picks up Rebecca. that nightgown and is petting well, yeah, that lace, there's a <laughs> aside from these sort of interactions where she's brushing her hair, and she there, there's a scene in this film where there's a room locked at the end of this hallway. Yes, where um where the little dog lays right, a little black cocker spaniel, so cute, and and that's Rebecca's dog, and there's also a house like a. a a cabin by the shore that's also yes. locked up. Yes. Um, like a little fishing yeah. cabin. But it's not. It's When she goes inside of it, it's nicely appointed. Right. It is derelict because nobody's been there for... We do find out later mm-hmm. that it's been just over a year since Rebecca died. Yeah. She died in, a, in what we are presented with as a boating accident. Right. Uh, off the shore of Manderley, she drowns. Um, and, but I just, I don't understand Mrs. Danvers, like I said, her malice towards this, this woman Mm -hmm. who clearly she could basically get to do whatever she wants. Yeah. So this woman is not an impediment in any way to anything that's going to happen. Now, Rebecca is dead. uh, It's not like she's displaced this woman. I think that's kind of what the, the the issue is, is the fact that she feels that insulted that this sort of very kind of timid young woman is coming into this household that was dominated by this character that she was desperately in love with. I just, uh, yeah, fair. Mm. But I it just doesn't make any sense to me because this woman is not going to hinder right. how you want the household to go. She will defer to you in every sense, until she doesn't, but right. you push her to that. Which is a scene I like. <laughs> um, yes. Um, but if you if you had just taken her in mm-hmm. and guided her, right. then the house would be run the way that you want. And she, it's not even like she never was like, I want to see, see Rebecca's room. I want to go in there. She does end up going in there eventually. Right. But that's because she sees somebody in there when she doesn't think anybody should be in there. Yes. So that's what brings her over there. But she's not like, this is my room now, and I am the, right. the, the, you know, the, the, the lady of the manor. And she doesn't do any of that stuff. Yeah. And to me, that is the... the, the the perfect if i'm mrs danvers this is the perfect woman to come in because yes but one thing that you saw also in her performance is that mrs danvers is a little bit she's off she's broken and so you guys she's the one who burns down manderley (laughs) that scene is really compelling because for one thing it shows off some of the most beautiful art direction you'll see in a film 
these enormous curtains, these huge windows. Oh, and, yeah. And, and then it starts from just the outer beauty of the room and starts getting smaller and smaller. And Well, then, and here's her lace made by, or her lingerie made by nuns. Nuns, yeah. So and, that's the thing. So, well, let's start, let's go back. So Maxim keeps having to leave to go do, you know, business. <laughs> Well, like I mean, you do. this is his some what is his Hummer house? I think. I don't so think there it's, are it's other a, houses. It's his country house. He's got country other house, houses, right. but also they're out in Cornwall. So right. any business he has to do for the manor or for whatever it, the business is that keeps a manor like this in money, right? He's got to go to London to do. So he's going to London a lot, which is fine. That's fine. But right. she is stuck there with Mrs. Danvers, who is derisive of her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she sits down to um, do, you know, the, the correspondence, right? So they're getting invitations, and you have to respond to these things. Honestly, I would love to run a house like this. I am not a person who doesn't want to work and wants to run a house, but also, can I please do that? <laughs> I'm like, you have breakfast, and then you go into your salon after, and you sit at your desk, and you do your correspondence? I want to write letters every day. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um and she does. She breaks a little statue. And because Mrs. Danvers has been so uh, bitchy, just mean to her mm. and stern, her first instinct is, I need to hide this and not tell yes. anybody. Not that she is the the woman of the house and this will just be dealt with, but I'm going to get in trouble. Well, there, what trouble? Ma'am. You're in charge. <laughs> um, there's a couple of conversations that Mrs. Danvers and uh, our Mrs. De Winter here have, uh, wherein I would be like, and after that, I give you severance, and I wish you good day. Because I'm sorry, once again, just like in the Omen, mm-hmm. I said we're gonna go into the, we're gonna go to church. So put on some clothes to put my kid on in some clothes and we're gonna go. You're not gonna fight me on this mm-hmm. one. And if you do fight me on this one, we're not gonna be this the relationship is severed. Uh here's a nice severance. Go on your way. There's no way that I'm gonna argue with somebody who I've hired to help me when they're just gonna not help me. <laughs> and again, I think that we can make that judgment thinking like Americans. I mean, because I think there is to to an English mind, there's a certain obligation to support these people who Once live again, on Once again, I'll write a... Se- you can have a mm-hmm. severance, and I will write you a lovely letter of recommendation, but you have told me that you came in with right. the previous Mrs. De Winter and knew her beforehand, we find out later, mm-hmm. because this... Um, We'll we'll talk about it later. But they came as a package deal. Well, she's gone. So, no, I don't want to leave you out in the cold with nothing. I Like I said, we could find a placement. This is a big house. I'm sure if you put out word that the woman who's been running Manderley is available for work, people are going to clamor for her. They could. So, unless they've met her, in which case, maybe not. She's uh, not very nice. I don't know that you could get her to leave. That would be my concern. I that, think the well, obviously, the, can't the, get the, her to end, leave. the right. ending would have just moved up significantly. So, 
one of the things that happens while Maxim is out, though, mm-hmm. is we get weird visitors, and that one of those weird visitors is Rebecca's cousin. Her favorite cousin. Her favorite cousin, and by favorite, I mean the cousin she was definitely fucking, George Saunders. Again, we are pronouncing it Saunders. It could be Sanders. We don't know. But uh, we just saw him in the Dorian Gray movie. Right. And now we see him here in a different role. Playing pretty much the same kind of character. Though. He does have condescension down to... Yes. Let's see. Uh, yes, well, the first time we see him, he is walking in through windows, which is a wild option. I I'm just think like, that was actually really a, a neat idea to let you know the kind of guy he is. He's he's very adept at sneaking through windows and sneaking back out of windows when he's To be done. fair, these windows are massive, right. and it's not a big step to yeah, get Yeah, but still, that, that kind of like idea it. that he's not going to come in through the front door, this guy. No. Um, so, um... He is sneaking around, and Mrs. Danvers is allowing it, and they're kind of talking, and it's mm. weird because I don't... He calls her Danny. Hey, Danny. He calls her Danny, that's right, which I guess Rebecca also did. Right. Um. And, yeah, his name is Jack Favell, and he, we found out later, was definitely having sex with Rebecca. Uh, in that... that uh, in the house on the beach. On the beach. Uh, which, yes, and on a walk at one point, uh, our heroine chases the dog into the t- to the beach house, and goes into the beach house and sees this old yeah, man. She's walking with Maxim, and he refuses to go anywhere near he won't that go house, now that and then near we the find house. out why later. And then there's a creepy man there with big eyes, who's not altogether altogether, who's like, um, is she never coming back? So he's talking about Rebecca, but he's confused about all the things. And then he's like, she died, didn't it? Or something like that. So constantly we're getting reminders of how great Rebecca was and how not great she is. And at one point she's looking out and does see movement and a person in the window in the east. It's the east wing, I think. It's the one that faces the ocean because they no longer face the ocean. That's right. The, the, her rooms don't face the ocean or open onto the ocean. And she goes and opens up Rebecca's room, which is not just a room. It's like a, like a suite, right? Mm-hmm. So you go in and there is this massive cathedral ceiling, floor-to-ceiling shears on this mm-hmm. cathedral ceiling, this big curtain. And then through that, there are these... There's this double doors that open out onto this view of the ocean, this massive bed, like there's windows along the whole, you know, out like sort of curve of the room that look out onto the ocean. She is caught in there by Mrs. Danvers, who then, yeah, proceeds to say everything is as it was when she died and... You should look. I mean, now you're in it. Come look. And she, yeah, she opens up these dressers and shows her all of this lingerie that was made by nuns, which is wild. I understand that nuns are good at lace, but have them make you veils, not lingerie. That just seems trashy. Um, Talks about how she used to brush Rebecca's hair for 20 minutes at a time as Apparently, you used to do. I can't. If I brushed my hair for 20 minutes, I would have no hair left. Like, I I just don't understand this brushing your hair for 20 minutes. I guess if you're only washing it, you know, 
every so often because you're not bathing as often as we do now. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to stimulate the, I don't know, the oils and the, I don't know. It's crazy. But 20, brushing your hair every 20 minutes was like a thing for a long time, apparently. And I don't. I'm lucky if I brush it for 20 seconds and I'm out the door. Like I just I, I, don't. I don't brush my hair at all. No, you could tiny brush. And uh, and then she pulls out this black lace teddy that is beautiful and sheer, and she's like fondling the fabric. And at that point, our heroine is like, "I'm gonna go. This seems like too much." Yeah. Um. There's a there's an incident later where one of the staff is um, basically blamed for stealing the little statue that's Rebecca or that um that Joan. Joan that our heroine has broken and she speaks up right then she doesn't let this man um, go down for her she's like no 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 I broke it I hid it away it mm-hmm. can't be fixed it broke into a bunch of pieces and I was like it broke into two pieces. It might have been able to be fixed. Now it's been in the back of this drawer for however long. Um, And she's just getting sort of more and more overwhelmed. And and she doesn't kind of understand what her place is. She is finally pushed. With and she goes into the the office, the little salon area with all of the stationery. Let's say Rebecca de Winter. And she just pulls it all out, just all the stacks of this fine stationery, and she, like, piles it all on the table, and she calls Mrs. Danvers, and she's like, I, I, all of this needs to go. And, and Mrs. Danvers is like, but that is Mrs. DeWinter's. And she's like, I'm Mrs. DeWinter now! And I'm like, yeah, I get it. What are you going to have them put on that stationery that they order for you, though? Hmm? Well, not Can we R. get a name? Yeah, no, not R. No, it will not be Rebecca. Um, so she feels like she's gaining some, and that's yeah, there's a kind of a state. She makes a, a in retaliation, right? Danny strikes back. <laughs> she, um, she asks Max to, or I'm gonna call him Max because Maxim is an insane thing to call a man. Max, she asks him to reinstate the, um, the costume parties, the balls that they would have at the at the manor, so that to to let everybody know that the manor is as strong and healthy as it's ever been, mm-hmm. um, and he acquiesces to her, and she's like trying to come up with she's drawing in her sad drawing hands like she draws like me bad, but she keeps at it and I like it these different ideas of costumes and things. And she leaves them, like, she throws them away, but Mrs. Danvers finds them and asks her about it. And she's like, I'm still trying to mm. figure out the costume. And she's like, I've got an idea. You should dress this way. And she shows this one of those massive portraits that they have in, in, a, in uh, English manor homes to fill up some of this wall space. Like, I'm mad. Like, it's a portrait that is twice as big as the person was. Right. <laughs> like, huge of this woman in this flowery puffy dress and a big hat and she's like this is uh mr de winter's favorite and you should dress like this and she's like oh that's great and i'm like why do you believe this woman 
This woman has made it clear that she does not like you. I think what happened she is She is the senior playing a prank on the freshman, and I'm going to need the freshman to wise the fuck I up. I think that um, the new Mrs. De Winter really thought that the kind of putting in her in her place, Mrs. Danvers, created a new kind of relationship toward them, and a new understanding that would... Be yeah. she what thought that she had asserted her dominance, right, but that's forward. not what happened. <laughs> yeah. What they're going to be doing going forward, and I think she trusted her, yeah. much to her regret. Much to her regret, and which is wild to me because so what happens is she gets the dress made, it looks perfect. She's so excited. She goes to Max at the beginning of the like as as people are starting to arrive. As the guests arrive. Um, and he is appalled because this is the same dress that Rebecca wore to the, the ball that happened right before she died. And he can't believe that she would do that. And I'm like, okay, but I'm going to need you for a second to think about who did this. Because this girl didn't do this. She didn't know that. She never met your wife or your first wife. She never, it's not like she saw photos of the party. All he should say is, why did you decide to wear that? Right. And she'd say, Mrs. Danvers told me this was your favorite painting. Like, it's easy. We see who the villain is. Yeah. It is wild for him to be mad at her for this. Because clear, how could she have known? Mm. Somebody in the house did this. It wasn't her. <laughs> the um, we, we have a, a, a character in... Um, Maximilian's sister. Yes. And her husband, who's and her played husband, by who's Nigel Bruce. Dolt, dude. Very, but Dolt is what Nigel Bruce did really <laughs> well. Loyal Dolt. He's a good guy that way. Um, but what we get the warning before, and it's the foreshadowing for what happened to Rebecca, is that um, Maxima has a really terrible temper, apparently. And that's been laid into. So he's. Constantly lashing out, and um, and that the not in a physical way that no. we see, so that's something, right? So um, when he uh, he yells at her, she goes upstairs. Yeah, and then she goes to Rebecca's room, and um, Mrs. Danvers is there, sort of gloating. Yes. Yep. Once again, another time where we could be like, bitch, you fired. But it's, she does this, and I remember that scene when I saw the film, I was in high school, right? That scene always impressed me because it was so creepy. Mrs. Danvers opens the doors to the porch that are above the courtyard in yeah. a significant height and just sort of crouches behind Joan and starts whispering in her ear yeah. about how oh, you'll never be right. It's just it's just a you short don't belong here. Jump. You could yeah. just step off of this, and no yeah. one would ever miss you. Yep. And almost gets her to the point of leaping out of the window until that spell is destroyed by the fireworks that are yes coming um, uh, that are being shot into the air. It's not fireworks. I mean, it is, but it's a flare. It's right, a, it's, it's a, a flare. it's a rescue it's a call mm. for help because a ship is sinking. Right. Yeah. And when they look for the ship and everyone's running out of the party, so the party is spoiled anyhow. Yes. Um 
they find that there is another ship beneath it. Yes. In the rescue, they find a boat, and in that boat is a body. And that boat is Rebecca's boat, and that body is Rebecca's body. So, Which you would think, yeah, that's fine, except mm. there is a body interred in Rebecca's grave. Right, in her crypt, the family crypt. That is not Rebecca. Was identified by Max. Mm. And this is when we hear about what what Max has been hiding, what every like what his experience with Rebecca was. Um and they, this all comes to light in the shed. Like, right. they're in the... Or it's not a shed. It's, like I said, it's nicely appointed if right. it was upkept, this, like, beach house. Um, and he admits that he misidentified another body as Rebecca's. He knew he was misidentifying it. Um, he was doing it to conceal the truth. And that truth was... At the very beginning of their marriage, like... Right after the honeymoon, basically. Uh, Rebecca basically told Max that um, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. And you're going to be okay with it. And what I'm going to do is fuck whoever I want, whenever I want, except you. I'm not going to be having sex with you. Um, But I will be the mistress of your house and make it look, you know, I'm going to give you the exterior life. But this is not a marriage. I'm in it for the money and the power and to be able to do whatever I want to do. So get on board, Max. And Max was like, but I loved her. He loved her, but he loved his family name and he couldn't put up with the scandal. So he tolerates her behavior. That's right. It was four days after they got married Mm. and he couldn't go through with a divorce. And I'm like, that's cool because you could get an annulment. Right. If four days after you get married and you are a title holder, he is gentry, right? Like, right. he is landed again, gentry in Britain. Yeah, it might be a difference. He of, may be a lord. He may yeah. be a whatever. But if you tell me, if, if, <laughs> if I am told by my bride that she was not who um, she uh, pretended to be when I got married and it's four days later... 100% he would have been able to get in a moment. It's crazy to me that he stays married. Right. I don't know if the rules were any different in England or in 1938 or whenever it was. This but. is late enough that maybe it would have mm. been... He would not have been looked at unfavorably. Here's the thing. A woman is who gets ruined. A man is never ruined. Like that's well, not, there's a scandal. We're not in Regency right. anymore. We're 100 years past it, but... I think that there's a scandal that attaches itself to a particular name. And I think that's what he was concerned about. Um, But guess what you still have? Manderley and your staff and a lot of people who just stop. I I know. And again, this is a very English way of looking (laughs) at things. So he just is sad. And he um, hates her. Because she also makes it very clear that she married him for the name. Right. Right? And the money. She wants to be Mrs. DeWinter. She doesn't give a fuck about Mr. DeWinter. She is, in a way, she's an interesting uh, opposite of Joan's character. She doesn't know how to be perfect in public. Right. But is, presumably, a good wife to him. Right. She does. She loves him desperately. 
Um, and she says so, and she acts on it. And what we see later on, the fact that she's willing to accept the fact that he admits um, that when she later confronted him, because she's Rebecca is taking was at one point discreet with her dealings. Yes, and then she gets less and less discreet. She has this ongoing relationship with this cousin. Right. I now I'm air quoting cousin, but I think they're probably actually cousins. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know. I mean, that could be the excuse they could also for be third cousins in a situation where, but whatever. Because um, he introduces himself as her cousin and mm. then is very proud to talk later about the fact that they were having sex. And I'm like, you need to dial down your excitement and, and that's, enthusiasm that's about sex. That's why George Saunders is perfect for this part because he can say this. He can. And you're just like, this motherfucker. Right. Um, and, but she ends up getting like. She has a, a pet pied-a-terre in the city. She's staying out more and more right. away from away from Manderley. Um, so his the scandal he's seeking to avoid is now just up against his face. He's it's now, up against his face, right. right. And at any moment, it could break. He could be blackmailed. He could be any yeah. of that. And one night in this house, in this beach cottage, Rebecca tells him that she is pregnant with Favel's child. They fight, and she falls and hits her head, and she dies. Right. He does not lay a hand. He says he does not in lay a hand on her. In the book, okay. this is a difference from the book where okay. Hitchcock insisted, he strikes her and she falls. Oh, interesting. And so it's like a con air situation right. where if you hit somebody and then they hit their head and die, oops, you still are in charge of their we death. We later on find out that she deliberately wound him up. And that's kind of what we can... But it's the same. Right. It's yeah. like, it I know that you thing. have a terrible temper, and I just have yeah. to say the right thing to you, and to, then... To make you snap. Right. So then he puts her boat on the body, takes it out, and scuttles it. So he blows the vents out mm. so that it will sink. Right. Um, which, now they're going to see that. Yes. Because you can't, you know, you can't deliberately chisel holes in the seacocks and then... Like, why would you do that? Especially after you're dead, if yeah. you've fallen and yeah. hurt yourself. Yeah. The assumption always was that the sea overcame her. And even even Mrs. Danvers, Danny, says, well, no man could tame her. Nothing could hurt her. Only the sea could, you know. Only the sea could and take, now her, take her down. Yeah. So at Turns this point, so much. our heroine grows a spine and is basically mm. like, lie. Lie to the fucking police. Just lie. You didn't kill her. He, she, we, we are, we are led to believe that he did not lay a hand on her. That she tripped right. and fell. In this version of the story, she doesn't. <sighs> Which once again, he's right. telling us. Yes. We don't see a reenactment because once again, we never see Rebecca. And there was, and that's that's another thing. There was an attempt, or I think Selznick wanted to have a reenactment, mm. and I well, like Rebecca it should never be seen in this so movie. So much and better I'm very the way glad. that it was. Because Hitchcock and the screenwriter were saying, we've gone on about how she is, and people say it repeatedly. Even the people who hate her. She was the most beautiful creature I've ever seen. How do you find somebody to realize that for two you're or never three minutes hit it. in yeah. the middle you're of You're never going to hit it. Right. You're never going to hit it. What, what you could do, maybe, mm -hmm. is do it all in shadow. Right. But that feels gimmicky. And, and here he does a really interesting job of using our gaze cinematically to follow the whole sequence of events as he's narrating it. Yes, that's true. And we a, see it happening right. in our mind's eye. Right, exactly. In in a yes, and that's that's, and that's a the exact opposite gift. of Selznick's picturizing. Picturizing, right? Yes, right. But, 
Yeah. So she is just like, you know, sack up, dude, because we're going to lie to the police and you're going to get out of this. That's what's going to happen. And um, then we see this. There's a little like courtroom drama. It's not right. in a courtroom, it's but it's like an right. inquest. Right. And, and English law is weird. All so the locals I'm, are there because they yes, want to see. That's right. right what, yes. There's a on. bunch of people in the room as people are being questioned, which is why. Um, it's like if you had a grand jury, but just public could come. Right. Um, and the police uh, investigation shows deli- the deliberate damage to the boat, which points to suicide. Mm-hmm. But then Favel shows a note to Max, not to the police, that indicates that she was not suicidal. And then he tries to blackmail right. Max. Who goes to the police and is like, this motherfucker trying to well, blackmail me. Which I, which was I love. The most logical thing to do in these. Favel sneaks into the cab of his car. Yes. And opens up his picnic basket. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And starts eating the chicken and then throwing it out the window at people. It's like he's, he's such, just a such a creep. Right. Yeah. And then, but Max then is now under suspicion of murder with. Favel, because he couldn't blackmail him, Mm -hmm. just loudly proclaiming that Max is a killer, basically. He killed her because she was pregnant with my baby, not his. And I'm like, you're going to fucking full-throated say this about your cousin? Why are you so happy to be an adulterer? And then he goes on to say... Here's my face. (laughs) He goes on to say, when Maxim asks him, well, what do I do to stop this from happening? He's like, well, I've always been interested in the life of a country gentleman. Perhaps we can discuss how much it would cost for me to set up somewhere. I want to be, and this is what you find out. Or he maybe wants a little to bit be earlier, landed gentry. That he, he's in the motor trade. He sells he used sells cars. He sells cars, which, and probably not used cars. They probably didn't have used cars yet. Maybe. Well, they probably had used cars like a year right. after they had cars, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Like, it, just, it just seems like either that's where the stereotype comes from or... But this is a time when people wanted to fix things rather right. than just get a new thing. Maybe, yeah. Still, yeah. I think we were still in the... Things are actually made with care and right. mended as they age and things like that. So then we focus on... Um, Rebecca had gone to see, according to Miss Danvers, who spills her little, um, she's like, I'm not talking. But then somebody says something and she's like, I'm talking. She went to this doctor in London. Um, she went fairly regularly and she went right before she died. And they go to visit, they find this doctor. Mm-hmm. They ask if they, if she has, he has a Rebecca de Winter. He does not. Right. They said, okay, well, on this day, who did you see? And then she goes, and Danvers' name right. is in the ledger. We, and we know, we've known that this woman has seen this doctor since before she was right, married to exactly. Max, which means she's been seeing this doctor with a fake name. From Danvers, Mm -hmm. from before she was married. So Danvers and she had been tied up together for a long time. time. And the doctor is like, oh, she wasn't pregnant. She was dying of cancer. Right. Um, It was a shame because she was so beautiful. Exactly. And I'm just like, oh, And that's why he can never see Rebecca because it's just not going to ever match what you have in your imagination. And B, yes, it's part of this bizarre male world 
where things of beauty should not die. Should not die. It's such a shame mm. that this beautiful woman. And I love dies. how they keep saying this ugly bitch. Step over her on the way like out. Joan like, Fontaine is. <laughs> she's so pl- No, she's not. Joan Fontaine is beautiful. She, she looks scared, which is unattractive to me. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you need to square your shoulders, right? Stand up straight, put a little bass in your voice, right? And you'd be fine. This like. She she's her shoulders are always like hunched forward. She's very drawn into herself. That's right. the body language, and it's not on purpose. I don't think that's how no, John, no. Joan Fontaine yeah. is. That's the character that she's playing. But I'm just like, you're never gonna get until you square those shoulders, which she does in the beach house. That like that no. day, she like sits up straight. I like that. It's <laughs> just like okay, I'm here now. We're doing this. I'm I'm. D- I didn't know this was going to be my life, but if this is going to be my life, I'm taking it. It's mm. mine. And I'm not going to let it right. go. And she, by the way, was nominated for an Academy Award for this part. Interesting. Didn't get it. Then Don't she think worked she for the have, Hitchcock so. the next year in Suspicion. Is it the next year? Um, no, two years later, Suspicion. Uh-huh. And, um, and then she won the award for playing a woman who... Thinks her husband Cary Grant, the very which is a really great movie, the very charming Cary Grant may or may not want to kill her for her money. She's the rich one in this Interesting. case. Interesting. I'd like to see her in other things because the mm. the character is grating on me. Right. Um. And that's that's I was you know watching um I remember loaning a copy of my copy of Robert Wise's version of A Hunting to someone. It's like I loved everything except for Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I can see that Eleanor is one of those characters who's very timid. She's she like, she, you're exhausting. She has no way of associating with other people, yeah. and at the same time, which I don't think Lily Taylor does in the remake. Right. Even though she Lily Taylor kind of, could do that, right? She kind of does. But she's got an interest to her. I know. I saw that. I was like, are you watching Liam Neeson in The Haunting? Well, don't do that. I think <laughs> the problem is that that movie, those four leads, even Luke, what's his name, uh, or not Luke. Whoever plays the young, or who plays Luke, um, those four leads were really well cast, and that's yeah, no, what makes the movie a, so disappointing. It's, yeah, it's just it's like a shame. you had a great cast. Well, why did you go this direction? Yeah, right. It? Anyway, we we've strayed. We've strayed. So, with the knowledge that mm-hmm. she was ill, they basically I don't remember who. It's one of the police. See, I think Smith, the police. police uh, to, who has a great face. Right. Oh, and he's a great got a good voice. face. Um, basically says to the coroner, you should probably render this a suicide because clearly she was suicidal, which realistically, that is what she was. She was trying to, she was trying to commit uh, suicide by husband and whether or not he struck her, that is, that is what she was doing, right? It's right. like, you know, waving your gun at a cop. You want them to shoot you, right? right? Exactly. Like that's what you're trying to do. And so... Um, only Frank Crawley, who is Max's best friend and the manager of the estate, uh, and who knows right. what happened, Max and Max's wife, the nameless Mrs. DeWinter, know that she tried to kind of commit suicide by him. Otherwise, it would be suicide. It would just be... It's, uh, and then he's off the hook. And he... As Max and Frank are driving back to the manor after the coroner's made their decision and the police have let him go, basically, 
it's nighttime and they see a haze at the, a light haze at the horizon mm. and he's like what is that and his friend's like um oh, it's the sunrise and he's like that is not the sunrise that's not where the sunrise is from that's manderly and she'd be on fire and then we are like oh no and drive faster and i'm like well don't worry about it because we know your wife is alive because we heard her at the right. beginning and we do she does run up to him and she's like oh max and uh she has escaped the flames, and the rest of the staff has escaped, but Mrs. Danvers is burning Destroyed in there. this huge, beautiful old house. Yep, and she is in Mrs. Do- Rebecca's rooms, right. burning, basically. Um, that big sheer, everything in there was very One flammable. reviewer I read was like, and it's like she sinks back into hell where she came where from. Where she came from. Right. And that is it. That is the And I literally was like, it like fades. And I was like, the end. And then a big title card came up and said, the end. And I was like, hey, I did well, it. I could be Hitchcock. And, and that was uh, that final image, which is Rebecca's hand-sewn pillow with her big R on The big it, R, yes. Which um, that held her beautiful, sheer nightgown. Right. Ma'am. Um, because we do see that's the thing uh-huh. it is pretty explicit that Danvers is in love with Rebecca oh yes because in the police station mm-hmm. as uh, the cousin is crowing about how he got all up in the, in that and got right. her pregnant she's like Rebecca knew nothing of love <laughs> like, goes off on this whole thing and that's when she says she went to this doctor like I'm not even holding back any of her like she and she's clearly broken at this point which at that point right. don't let her go to Manderley she's gotta burn it down <laughs> well I think that um, there's two ways of reading it either she was destroying the house to save it from these people or or that she is because right before she right after um Favelle is called out yeah. for his nonsense and C. Aubrey Smith. And they Smith, do say like a blackmail is a felony. <laughs> right. C. Aubrey Smith with his wonderful face and voice is telling him um yeah, about blackmail and how it's looked upon in this country. Yeah, right. And then in a parting shot, which only John, George Saunders could pull off. Well, all right. If you need to buy an automobile, then let me give him his card. I'll go. I'm going to go. Yeah. And then he, like, just saunters off out of his frame. Ding, ding, ding. Like, I'm going to get out as fast (laughs) as I can. But he calls the house, calls Manderley. Oh, yeah. Speaks to Danny and says, Danny, she's had us all fooled. Um, So it's almost like you could read it two ways. Either she's destroying this house so that the new Mrs. Winter with her new and improved spine won't get a hold of it, or. She's crushed because Danny, uh, because Rebecca lied to her as well. Right, but but she has that whole breakdown in the police of uh, mm-hmm. in the police station of right. She she lied to me. She she, she laughed she, about all of them. She, she laughed about yeah. all of them. She but but she could she never uh, something like she was incapable of returning love. Right, like she l- legitimately says that, and I'm like, oh no, this woman was in love with this other woman. Right. I, and, I, that, and and frankly, Rebecca seems like a person who would. Not be averse to leading it. I could see her no, as I a could pillow totally princess. See yes. I could certainly, if that meant that this woman is as devoted to me as this woman is, right. and I need to like throw her a little physical affection every once in a while, I could absolutely see I the character s- that has been right. drawn doing that. I'm not sure if I could see her physical I, physical affection. The fact that she could 
would actually wear this transparent That's the thing. Whether or not there was actual physical affection right. or if she just put herself on display for All her. All the time. And that's the impression I got even yeah. when I was a kid. Like, I... I didn't understand that 16 or 17. 20 minutes a day brushing her hair. That's very intimate. Right, exactly. And so it's like whether or not it's an actual sexual relationship or a relationship that bordered on it because there was so much contact between the two of them. Right. Or in a, a, at any moment, this could be sexual and I'm just going to string her along. Yeah, she's a terrible person. So that's a possibility. So that's the end of Rebecca. Was Uh, it thrilling? (sighs) Y'all, I'm going to say no because. I know the ending at the beginning. Right. David O'Selznick ruined it. I think that it's it's um it's a hard call because I I really enjoyed the film. I don't think it was thrilling the way that it might have been to audiences at the time who'd read the book or who hadn't mm. because it was such a big deal. It was two years after the yeah. book got released, so it's like yeah, it was, like that's a quick turnaround, right. right? Um, I think that the um. Certainly, the inquest part of it. Yeah, I think it's yeah, thrilling. yeah. That I like part, the twist. I have to agree with thrilling. It's like, wait, what? What um, happened? Oh. I think mm. the reveal of what happened and how it happened, and when we find it out, when there's still thirty minutes or so uh-huh. left in the film, and you're like, well, how are we gonna get yeah. from here to there? I liked all of that stuff, but like, it really takes the wind out of the sails when we see the husk at the very first beginning even if we're not quite it's very dark that's the other thing is it's not manderly burning it's manderly burnt and it's a black and white film and it's a it's it's that piece is shot at dusk or at dawn and it's dark you almost can't see what it is other than it's less than the thing we see later i think also the um the other issue is we're supposed to, we know that Jane. Joan. Joan, excuse me. Joan survives. Um, I think the question is supposed to be whether Maxim or any of the other characters survive, but oh, we fair. haven't built up enough of a, like, you don't have a great reaction to Maxim. I don't. I and really so don't. The idea that in the book, uh, there's a lot of other characters in there. Yeah. But. I was like, yeah. oh, I hope she didn't kill all of that. That staff was yeah. massive, and I hope that they didn't all go down with yeah, her. Exactly. That would be terrible. Um, but we see Maxim driving towards the fire. So right, but in the very beginning, there. we don't know that's going to happen. No, of course, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that was what we were supposed to care about, because we she stops him from committing suicide at the beginning of the story. Yes, that's and, true. And then, you know, we're going, okay, is he going to die here, or what's going right. to happen? Right, Um but I, I I think the courtroom the courtroom slash inquest stuff, inquest yeah. scene is really the part that I found thrilling. The rest of it was almost like a melodrama. If yeah. you had changed the dynamic of that opening twenty minutes, fifteen minutes with Mrs. Van Hopper or something, yeah. it could be a romantic comedy. Yeah, for sure. And and there's a that's kind of the the gothic romance ideal is that you take a fairy tale where she meets the wonderful prince and gets taken away to this wonderful kingdom right and, that and then you turn so it on your head right it, it's not you know, wonderful the, it's never going to be wonderful right if something is seems too good should be true dot 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 but yes i really i'm not as down on Lawrence olivia's performance here but yeah i struggled with it i was yeah. just like what are you doing but 
Judith Anderson steals this movie. Yeah, no, she's she's very, very good. And, and a, George Saunders is very, very good. And, he's a, such a dick. You just want to punch him in his face. Right. And that's good because that's what he's well, what, doing. What rescues the film, then, is the fact that the villains are so strong. Yes. As yeah. opposed to the heroes who, uh, you know... Are nameless and faceless. Right. Well, <laughs> I love the transition that uh, that that happens right after... Um, after Joan confronts Mrs. Danvers and says, I'm Mrs. De Winter I'm now. I'm Mrs. De Winter And now. the next thing you see is her trying to draw a sketch of Joan of Arc. Oh, <laughs> yes, know, like yes. Yeah, that's going to be her, her yeah. uh, costume. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it's... But, yeah. Danvers was not going to allow that. No, but, yeah, but overall, also, fire I enjoy the film, but I think of it more as sort of like a romantic melodrama. Yeah. And I think that Hitchcock was always sort of like, I'm glad people liked it, but it's, you know... He, he separates himself from it. He's not right. pleased with it. Right. He's not pleased with all of it. He's pleased with some of it. And some of it actually is suspenseful, but... Yeah. It's it, beautiful. Yeah, it is really lovely. But, like, the at. whole time I wanted to be like, dude, what is wrong with you? And, ma'am, I need you to straighten up. Just, right. stand, just stand up straight. Just stand up straight. It will do a world yes. of difference for you. Um, okay, so that's Rebecca. Next up, The Magnificent Seven. Bum, 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 bum. From 1960, a movie I've never seen. Oh. I have seen the remake, uh, which I enjoyed very much. I have not seen the original. There are some really great lines. This I don't film. know who the seven even are. Oh. So I'm excited to find okay. out. Don't tell me. I'm not going to tell you. I'm excited to find out mm -hmm. who the seven are. <laughs> Famos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is one of them John Wayne? No, no, God, no. Oh, okay. No, no. This was a John Wayne kind of film. And I don't think he would have done it because of the sort of... Ooh. Of oh, is there race mixing in this one? <laughs> yeah, kind of, but yeah. There is a, there's a black character I know, at least one black character in the in the remake. Is, um, there is isn't a black that... character in this version of the film, however... Or native? Uh, the indigenous? leader of the gang is Yul Brenner. What race is he playing? He's playing a nondescript guy but dun, dun, dun. as a a just you know kind of uh, th that was that there's not a race that Yul Brenner didn't play also is one of those guys who's just like he descended from Cossacks and Mongols <laughs> that's his right. thing so he's like an Asian cowboy Asian. I'm not sure yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Mm -hmm. um, we will watch that for next week. In the meantime, do you have anything you want to recommend um, to our listeners? I'm, I am enjoying Stranger Things. We haven't finished it. Um, and by the time this airs, the whole of it will be out. Right. So we are through episode six. Uh -huh. We have one more episode. The rest of them drop this weekend, which right. will be last weekend for you guys. Um, so yeah, we are in, I'm enjoying, I enjoy this every, I it's enjoy really, every season. It's really, and I, then I, I forget it Tell completely. people that are sensitive to violence, especially in the wave of school shootings that happen. It's very, that first episode is hard to take. There's a lot of and they warn you children. About yes. Um, and, but it also in graphically dead right, children in retrospect at this point now becomes more about bullying and you you get that later and on. And mob mentality. Right. That's what we've gotten into this time. Yeah. Um, I, I always enjoy the watch of a Stranger Things season right. and then forget everything about it. Right. When, as, when it's done. 
I had to watch a recap because I was like, I don't remember. Well, it's also been a very long time since. It has, but yeah. like, no memory. Yeah. Zero. Like, my brain is just like, that was great. <laughs> um, so do you have something that you can recommend? I recommend, if you have the resources, to go to a website called Donations for the number four abortions uh, and donate to an abortion relief fund because they're going to be very necessary. And I'm not... I'm not pro putting on Facebook in a surveillance state that I'm a safe haven for people. That doesn't mean I'm not a safe haven for for people, but I'm not going to advertise it in a surveillance state. And if you don't think we're in a surveillance state, you're not paying attention. Um, So I wanted to make a small donation, but a monthly donation so that they know that they can rely on... Uh, this income. I did it for any states. Um, you can do it for specific states if the state that you're in is in particularly a dire times. I'm in California. It's unlikely that abortion access is going to be very restricted in California, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, but I decided to donate in a way that would go to uh, whoever needed it. <laughs> so, um, that's what I've done, and I would recommend if you have the capability to do that, to do that. Um, they start at $20 a month. That goes up to, and you can even do a smaller amount if you wanted to write in a number. If you just don't have $20 a month, I understand. Everything is bonkers expensive, but if you can do it, I recommend doing it, especially because it gave me some semblance of feeling like I had some control back. Right. Um, and then open your eyes. Open your ears, pay attention to the uh, BIPOC people who are leading this and have been leading this. You know, white women are just fucking figuring it out, but they've known for a while that we're in it. Uh, Up to your neck. So, yeah. And so, don't, we don't need to reinvent a wheel because they've been doing this work for a long time. So, Open your ears, open your eyes, learn from them. If you want to be a harbor for people, if you want to be a camping buddy, like I keep seeing on the internet, um, the way to do that is to get training through some of these um, these networks quietly and without advertising it. Because that shit is subpoenable. <laughs> like, don't, yeah. don't don't they can't trust you because here's the reality too you could say you stand with them but as soon as you're facing prosecution you're going to fold if you don't have the training so yeah. don't be more of a danger to the, to people who need help so that's uh that's my two cents on it mm. um i haven't really watched anything because i my attention span is very short and we've been watching stranger things right. oh you know what i liked here's a fun thing 
after you've donated, head over to Netflix and watch the new season of Iron Chef. It's eight episodes long. It's a new format. It's really fun. Kristen and uh, Alton are very cute together. They are very good together. They I have a really lot like of chemistry. <laughs> they do. And fun. apparently had almost, they met once uh-huh. for like an hour before they started. They had like an hour the morning that they got, or you know, they, they had a day together. And then they had an hour the day that they started filming. And then it was fucking just go. Oh, and if for no other reason, Mark DeCascos. He is. They pulled the gloves off of him or whatever. It was restraining him on the old Iron Chef. He is leaning so far into the weird. It is great. Yes. <laughs> and he's, he's, I've heard conversations with him. I met his parents. They're martial arts teachers out here, both of them. Oh, yeah. And they're really, he's a really goofy guy. Oh, that seems right. And so he's just kind of running yeah. with it. Like <laughs> It's really fun. And they're going to do a second season. But it's it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, I like the, the set of of people that they have in the new the new Iron Chefs. Right. It's fun for me to see Dominique Crenn because I wanna I wanna go to her restaurant so bad. It's like a life goal. Right. Fuck French laundry. I mean I'd go to the French laundry. If you have an invitation and you want to take me to the French laundry, I will go with you. But I wanna go to uh Atelier Crenn bad. The only female three Michelin chart star chef in the world. And it is super close to me and I wanna go real bad. Um and she's married to Maria Bello. Hot. <laughs> That's a hot couple. So yeah, I love I love that. So um Iron Chef. Donate to abortion funds and Iron Chef. <laughs> I think that does it. That brings us to the end. So we'll watch the Magnificent Seven next week. Until then, you can reach us at uh, Latecomers. Okay, wait. You can reach us by email, by emailing us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast. On the Facebook page is our upcoming itinerary for July. Uh, Until next week, I would like to remind you to please take your medicine and take care of yourself. And we would like to remind you, better late than never. Um, 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 um.